Yes, my beautiful family, we have a word for your life on tonight. Listen, let me tell you why I do this. I do this because exposure creates options. And some of us, you only have eight. That's it. When something comes your way and you don't like it, all you're going to do is circle A. When you're horny, all you can circle is A. When you're upset, all you can circle is A. When you're disappointed, all you can circle is A. When you're depressed, all you can circle is A. But when you hear a word, when you hear a series that exposes you to the depth of theology and the word, now you got multiple choice. You can A, be carnal. You can B, operate in wisdom. You can C, act Christ like, I'm trying to give y'all multiple choice. So no matter what you face, you don't always have to circle A and respond to the flesh. Why am I preaching before I even greeted y'all? What's up? <laughs> What's up, beautiful family? Come on in the room. Drop a comment. Let us know where you're from. If you're a first-timer, if this is your first time joining us, if you've been here now for all 14 segments, can y'all believe that? All 14 segments of this Cupping Season series. Let us know how it is blessing your life. Take your screenshot. And tag us and let's get to work. We're going to start our reading from the Gospel of John. The Gospel of John, John chapter 17. A few particular passages of scripture that you probably haven't heard before. But this is Jesus executing a prayer. And this is going to be where we're going to park for the time that we have together on tonight. The Gospel of John, John chapter 17 verse 15 says, My prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I am not of it. Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. For them I sanctified myself that they too may be truly sanctified. My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one. Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one. Our clause of concern and the verse that we're going to unpack and work on tonight is verse 15. My prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. God, we love you. We're in awe of who you are. And Father, this prayer that you prayed, please give us the wisdom to be one with our wives, one with our husbands, one in spirit, one with you. And help us to be able to identify things that are from the evil one and not the holy one. And as my typical request, oh God, I pray that you anoint my lips to be the PA system of heaven, the soundtrack of heaven, your oracle, your spokesman, your representative, and your billboard. And it is as we pray. I consider it done in Jesus' name. And everybody who agrees with that prayer would just drop in the room, amen. Amen. Now listen, I'm developing this little cadence, this, this pattern of stating a decree or a confession over your life. Because I don't know if you speak over yourself 
anytime you're outside of service. So when you watch us, I'm going to make sure that you're speaking over yourself. So can I get everybody, you do not have the right to remain silent. Can I get everybody to drop this comment in the room? God, give me discernment from the traps, the snares, and counterfeits sent by the evil one. I need to say that one more time. You need to have it in all caps. Put it in the room. God, give me discernment to not fall for the traps, the snares, and the counterfeits sent by the evil one. Church family, we are now in lesson number 14. Can y'all believe that? Lesson number 14 of this amazing Cuffing Season series, and I want to get straight to it. As promised, I would like to speak around this thought from this subject for the time that we have together on tonight. Is this the one? Is, is this the one? Jesus, in the Gospel of John chapter 17, is praying this prayer, and he says, listen, my prayer is not that you take them, O Lord, out of the world, but my prayer is that you protect them from the evil one because there will become a time in your life and a time in my life when we are at a crossroad when we encounter a person when we have an option or an opportunity where we have to have discernment so I could know was this sent by the holy one or the evil one and I get somebody to say discernment I need to be able to discern is this sent by the evil one or is this sent by the holy one and as we are unpacking this and as we're starting this, this, this wonderful message on tonight, I'm excited. I'm excited because I believe this cupping season series is doing exactly what I prayed for God to allow it to do. My prayer was, God, I want them every single time your people, they log on and they watch this message or they listen to it via podcast form. I want it to be an investment in their soul care. That has been my prayer. I want this series to be an investment in their soul care because I want how we're really doing to be more important than how it looks like we're doing. That part, though. I want how we're really doing to be more important than how it looks like we're doing because nobody posts the worst version of themselves. We usually post the best version of ourselves. But you are not the worst version of yourself, nor are you the best version of yourself. I'm just trying to deliver a word and have a series where we have health at the keyboard, not just an appearance of health in the keyframe. Did y'all catch that? Yeah, I want us to have health and us to be whole at the keyboard not just have an appearance of health in the keyframe, in the post, in the picture, in the comments. And the reason we're going this direction on tonight is because I feel as though God has anointed me to send you a message and a reminder that you have an enemy. Please hear me. Please hear me. You have an enemy. And I just firmly believe, based on the way that some of us live, here we go, based on the way that some of us live, and based on the way our prayer life looks, and based on the way that our spiritual disciplines are not in constant in implementation on our daily routine, you either haven't been taught, you haven't been taught, and you just need discipleship. That's why I do what I do, and that's why I'm here. I got you. Maybe you haven't been taught that you have an enemy, or you forgot. You must have forgotten that you and I are in a war. You and I are in a war. The evil one is trying to do everything he can to make us live barren lives. 
barren lives that do not produce fruit. And I'm going to just go ahead and say it. A lot of us are mislabeling things. You think that relationship you just got out of was a bad relationship? No, boo-boo, you mislabeled it. That was not a bad relationship. That was a spiritual attack. Here we go. That was a spiritual attack. It was an attack sent by the enemy to try to make you lose your sanity, to try to take your peace, to try to take your joy, to try to make you lose your identity, to send you pain because we know that unaddressed pain becomes your personality. It was an attempt by hell to take you out. That wasn't just a bad relationship. That was a spiritual attack. What, what, what you think that ex hitting you back this week is just a random sequence of events and you haven't heard from them since 2018? Why is it they always come back when you finally made your mind up? Have y'all ever noticed that? Like as soon as you made your mind up, I'm for real this time. Like as soon as you start praying for real, as soon as you start fasting for real, like you fasting outside of a corporate fast, you fasting on your own. When you set reminders to log on and to hear the word of God, you finally are serious about your purity. You finally have thrown away that vibrator. I'm coming all down your street. You finally have people holding you accountable. You made your mind up to stop smoking. You made your mind up to stop drinking. And then all of a sudden at 1122 on a Thursday night, you're going to get a text message from an ex talking about, hey, big head. You think that's just a random sequence of events? No, ma'am. No, sir. That is a spiritual attack in, in distraction form to try to distract you because the enemy always tries to attack you when you're about to enter into something. He always tries to get you to be distracted when you're right on the brink. You're right on the brink of your miracle. You're right on the brink of your answer prayer. You're right on the brink of something, and then they try to come back. This is not just a random sequence of events. This is a spiritual attack. What you think you that fly, bro? That this secretary is all in your face and she's kicking in your face and flirting with you. You think it's because you're working out four to five times a week now? That's what it is, right? She just see all your muscles. Not your muscles, but your muscles, right? <laughs> you, you, you think it's your tie. Oh, no, you think it's your cologne. No, it's just the enemy knows that you and your wife are at odds. He knows that you're weary. Lord, help me. He knows that you're weary and that you're exhausted. You're weary and that you're exhausted. So what he's going to try to do is to send some seductive woman to see if I can get this man to be like Esau and exchange your birthright for some stew. Preach Holy Spirit. I want to get you while you're weak. I want to get you while you're vulnerable because I know you and your wife are at odds right now. I know that y'all keep on having arguments. So I'm going to try to send somebody in. You think it's just because you fly. You think it's just because you've been working out. No, this is a spiritual attack on your family because the enemy is a generational assassin. He's using this particular woman to try to make you make a deadly decision that will hurt your covenant, that will hurt your son, and that will hurt your daughter. It's not about you being fly, bro. This is a spiritual attack. Preach Holy Spirit. Give us eyes so that we could see. It's not just her flirting with you. It's not just him flirting with you. It's a spiritual attack. You, you, you think this, this pop-up, this pornographic pop-up on your iPad or on your MacBook was just a random sequence of events? And you've been fighting for purity for the last three weeks? You haven't watched porn in 22 days? And just a random pop-up pop is going to happen? You think it's just random? It is a spiritual attack sent by the enemy to try to get you to go right back to the chains that you asked God to loose you from. I want to see if I can get them to go back. It is not 
just a random sequence of events. It is an attack. And please hear me. Attacks from hell are proof that the enemy's terrified of you. Did y'all hear what I just said? That, that part. Attacks from hell are proof that the enemy is terrified of you. The question that we've been asking is the wrong one. What's wrong with me? Why does everything keep looking like this? Why does all this stuff keep happening in my life? We're asking the wrong question. It's not what's wrong with me, but rather what's in me. I said it before. There's something in you that hell never wants to reach maturity. There's something in you that hell doesn't want you to break. There's something on your life that's going to cause for the camp of hell to be terrified. But if I can get them so distracted by their problems, they will never become my problem. This is not a random sequence of events. This is a spiritual attack. This is a spiritual attack. And this is why I believe the word tells us to guard your heart. Guard your heart with all diligence. For out of it flows the issues of life. Listen, I believe the enemy knows nothing could affect the heart of a man. And nothing can affect, affect the heart of a woman like a relationship. Parental relationship, romantic relationship, just a friendship, work relationship, because I'm going to slither in this area because if I could use this particular area to touch their heart, maybe their heart will be callous towards the gospel. So I'm going to try to do everything I can to cause them to have a callous heart and to have a life that is barren and does not produce fruit because relationships are potters. Did y'all hear what I just said? Relationships are potters. This is why our relationship this is why our relationship with the Lord is everything because relationships are potters. When we allow when we allow Jesus to be the most important relationship that we have and we allow him to be our potter. He can mold us and he molds us with our dreams in mind. He molds us with our destiny in mind. He molds us with his promises in mind. He molds us with our assignment in mind. He's molding us and no season is wasted. Can I get somebody to drop that in the room? No season. No season is wasted. No season is wasted. No season is wasted. I know you don't like the way your life looks right now, but no season is wasted. I know that you thought that you'll be further down the line by now, but no season is wasted. I know that you don't like the way that 2020 turned out, but no season is wasted. I know that you don't like the current predicament that you're in, but no season is wasted. I know that you don't like that you have been laid off, but no season is wasted. I know that you don't like that that relationship didn't work, but no season is wasted. This is is the season where God is molding you. He's molding you for your tomorrow. He's molding you with your assignment in mind. See, now I get it, Sister Tracy. I get it now when I was growing up. I would hear the church mothers and the church elders say, baby, stay on the potter's wheel. I didn't know what it meant until I got older. And now I understand if I stay on the potter's wheel, that's where God could mold me. That's where God construct me. And understand this, God molds in silence. God molds you in silence. He constructs you in silence. He builds you in silence. He's working on your integrity in silence. He's working on that depression in silence. I know you want a bigger platform, but I can't give it to you right now because right now you have too much Simon and they can't receive from you as long as you have that Simon Petty. They can't receive from you as long as you have that Simon Clapback. I'm going to deal with you in silence so that when they see you, all they get is Peter. I don't get glory out of embarrassing you. 
I don't get glory out of embarrassing you. I'm going to deal with your Simon. I'm going to keep you on the potter's wheel. I know you want your ministry to take off, but there's too much, still too much Jacob in you. So I'm going to mold you, and I'm going to construct you, and I'm going to build you so that when they see you, they're not going to get your Jacob. They're going to get your Israel. I know you want to go to the next level, but there's still too much Abram in you. There's still too much Sarai in you. So I'm going to mold you in silence so that when they see you, all they get is your Abraham self. When they see you, all they get is your Sarah self. God is molding you in silence. You're mislabeling it. You're saying it's a dry season. It's not a dry season. It's a molding season. God is not holding you back. He's molding you. God is not punishing you. He's molding you. Please hear me. Please hear me. If we mislabel the season, we risk trying to be birthed too fast. God is trying to prepare you while you're David in the pasture for a battle you're about to face. Somebody say, he's molding me. He's, he's molding me. He's molding me. And God molds in silence. Now, this is problematic for a lot of people. This is problematic because we can't move in silence because we desire their attention more than our growth. How about this? How about this? Stop posting everything. The results will let them know. Stop posting everything. The results will let them know. How about this be your posture for the rest of this year? Make less announcements. Submit to more molding. Can we drop that? Make less announcements. Submit to more molding. Normalize that. I'm not announcing anything. The results going to let you know. I'm not telling you what offer I just had. The results going to let you know. I'm not bragging about what just happened. The results going to let you know. I'm not telling you about a business I just launched. Launched. The results are going to let you know. I don't have to take a selfie every time I'm going to the gym. The results going to let you know. Make less announcements. Start submitting to more molding. Let's, let's normalize that. God is trying to mold you. He's trying to mold that lust out. He's trying to mold that bitterness out. Here we go, about to mess you up. He's trying to mold that survivalist mentality out. See, why are you applauding yourself that you're crawling faster than others when you have wings? God did not create for you to be a survivalist. I didn't create you to survive. I created for you to thrive. See, please hear me. When you live life as a survivalist, even trash becomes an option. Even, even trash becomes an option. Listen, listen. If all you ever have known is the basement, and if you live life in the basement, when you come upstairs, you're going to think you're in a penthouse. Because all you have ever known is the basement, how to survive. So you're going to mistake the first floor as a penthouse. I'm trying to preach to you to let you know there's more stairs. There's a first floor. There's a second floor. There's a third floor. There's a fourth floor. A lot of us are getting too impressed from first floor offers. It's because you've been in the basement too long. God is trying to mold out us having a survivalist mentality. Jesus prays, Father. It is not my will, God, that, that, that you take them out of the world. My prayer is that you protect them from the evil one. So, so for, for, for this particular moment, I have this little, like, demonstration I want you guys to see, all right? So I have these two backpacks that are up here. These two backpacks are going to be symbolic of two people, okay? God has a plan and he has a purpose for my life. But I just met somebody, and I think they're fine, 
and I'm about to go out with them. I don't know what I'm called to do yet. I don't know what God has assigned me to do yet, but I'm going to go out with them. This is what a lot of us do. We're we going to take pictures. I'm really about to take a picture right now, for real, with my sweaty self. You go on my Instagram, you're going to see this. Chilling with Bay. Post this. Chilling with Bay. People who are watching this are going to be like, what, what is he talking about? Y'all need to come watch the message. We live right now. We live. But, but that, that's what a lot of us do. We're taking pictures, chilling with Bay, with new Bay, with my new man, with my new woman. But we don't even know what God has called us to do. So what we're going to do, per adventure, let's say, let's say pre-COVID, God has called me and he has anointed me to go to Atlanta. That's my assignment. Can I get somebody to say, that's his assignment? That's my assignment. My assignment is to get to Atlanta. I got to drive to Atlanta. Now, remember, this is pre-COVID. I got to get to Atlanta. Because, listen, if I don't know my journey, I won't know which one is good for my journey. Okay? All I know now is God told me, you, sir, have to get to Atlanta. There's a church you have to birth in Atlanta. There's a people you have to reach in Atlanta. There's a promotion for you in Atlanta. I have somebody who has to glean from what you have in Atlanta. All you know is your instruction is to get to Atlanta. But I don't know which one of these are good for my journey, but I do know my journey is to Atlanta. Okay? So now, when I go out on dates, watch this. I'll start to ask questions like this. Hey, how you doing? My name is Jerry. Nice meeting you. Uh, so um, tell me about yourself. What do you do? Oh, that's interesting. Do, do you like road trips? You like road trips? Okay. Um, what, what's the furthest road trip have you ever been on? Do you like driving or do you like more like being a passenger? Oh, okay, okay. What am I doing? I'm asking questions now that are centered around my journey. So now even when I meet somebody, I could ask questions that are centered around what I know God has me doing. Before I didn't know my journey, I would just ask questions like, what's your favorite color? So what you trying to do? So what you trying to be? So what you... I would confuse them for possibly my spouse because I'm trying to pick without knowing my purpose. You can't pick on purpose if you don't know your purpose. This is why you've been in relationship after relationship that has caused you to have a fog vision because you didn't enter into the relationship first knowing I got to get to Atlanta. So now my questions are centered around are they willing to take a road trip? This is so good, y'all. You meet somebody else. They seem cool. They seem nice. You talking to them. But since you know what you got to do, you can ask them the same type of questions. So what do you do? What's your goal? Okay, you love Jesus? You love the Lord? Okay. Uh, you like road trips? When you recognize your journey and your destiny, you now could ask questions that are centered around your journey and your destiny to see if this is a compliment or a contradiction. So listen, I'm going to give you points to start off. Look, number one, stop picking without the revelation of your assignment. Stop picking without the revelation of your assignment. Okay, let's keep going. I really don't know this person until I've seen them shaken. Listen, I'm going to be open and transparent. There were some people that I thought were with Jerry until the shaking of a pandemic hit. You really don't know who is with you until they have been shaken. Please hear me. You may think he's cute. 
You may think she's cute. You may think they are part of your squad. You may think that they have your back, but you really don't know. You really don't know if somebody's really good for you or healthy or for you until they have been shaken. If you have not had a disagreement with this person, if y'all have not seen eye to eye on a thing, you really don't know them. You don't. Why are you looking at me like that? Have you seen this man mad? Have you seen her mad? Have you seen them shaken by not getting their way? Because if you haven't seen that version of them, you really don't know if they're conducive for you to get to Atlanta. You really don't know. You don't know. And so I really don't know if I could carry either of these people until they have been shaken. Look at this. Let me give you a Bible. Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7, verse 24. Jesus gives this illustration. He says, therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall because it had a foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the wind blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. I don't want you to just focus on the house. I don't even want you to focus on a foundation. Even though I know the rock is symbolic of Christ, the sand is symbolic of culture, okay? I want you to focus on the fact that they both went through a storm. You really didn't know the foundation of what they were really built on until they both had a storm. You really don't know if they're good for you until they have been shaken. So this first person, they go through something, it shakes them up. They go through a hardship, it shakes them up. And that shakening allows me to see what, what, what's on the inside of you, a PlayStation? So you telling me you're going to choose a person to go to Atlanta with that likes to play games? They, they like to play games. And you know what? People like to play games. You know what they like to do? Many times they're manipulators and they use... The remote control of your emotions. So if I want you to be upset, I'm not going to call you back. You can text me five times. You can call me six times. I'm going to respond back with a text, what you want. Because I like playing games. That's just what I do. Why y'all looking at me like that? I just like playing games. That's all I like to do. And some of us, since we don't know who we are, we allow our heart to be their remote. And they can just play with our heart, play with our emotions, play with our day. If they want you to have a bad day, they just got plush triangle. If they want you to be upset, they just got to press circle. Whatever emotion I want you to have, I'm going to press it. Why? Because I play games. I play games. Now, you didn't know that this was in them until they were shaken. And what I don't want you to do is to choose somebody because you think that this looks good and you want to post about it. And so now you end up marrying somebody that it's cool for you to wear this, but it's not conducive for you to get to Atlanta. How is, how, how is this PlayStation going to help me with my trip to Atlanta? All this is, it just looks cool. That's it. Y'all like this Jan Sport backpack? <laughs> it just looks cool. And that's what a lot of our relationships look like. It just looks cool. Woo! It just looks interesting. Y'all just look so cute together, but you can't tell from the post that this person is dealing with games. 
You can't tell from the post that they're with somebody who likes to play games, and they have turned their heart into a remote control. This is so good, y'all. Now, this other person, I don't really know what's in them, but coronavirus shook them up, too. They went through some stuff that shook them up, too. But I hear something on the inside. They got shaken. What, what, what's, what's on the inside of you? Change. Hmm. So I'm going to need, like, this stuff for toll roads. Going to Atlanta, I'm going to need all of this. We're going to have a lot of toll roads. We're going to have a lot of stuff that we're going to need to go through. So maybe I didn't recognize that what is on the inside of them is good for me because they're carrying change. Now, I told you I need to get to Atlanta. I'm going to have to go through a lot of tolls, and they're carrying something that's going to make my trip easier for me to get there. They're carrying something. They're carrying change which can help, which can help me change. Now, listen, listen, listen. A lot of people, we get so caught up that this backpack, it does look cooler. It does. It looks cool. It's camo and everything. It looks more fresh. This one is a little more faded. But we didn't know that just because it looks good doesn't mean it is good. And I wonder how many of us keep making choices because the camo looks cooler than just the all-black Jansport backpack. But what's on the inside of this is what you need for your journey. Now, listen, listen, I'm not saying that you can't make it to Atlanta with this, but I am saying it's going to take longer. It's going to take a lot of marital counseling. It's going to take a lot of patience. It's going to take some tears. It's going to take some work. I hope you like to pray. I hope you like to pray because this person right here is going to keep you on your knees. They're going to keep you crying. They're going to keep you in prayer. They're going to keep you fasting. Oh, you think you know the Lord. You're about to know the Lord on a whole nother level by choosing this person. You're going to be fasting and praying. You might even write a devotion. You might become an author. You might even write your own Bible. You're going to start a small group. You're going to have a ministry, and it's going to be called Patience with Him. And you're just going to have to learn patience. Why? Because I chose it just looked better but I didn't allow a season to happen where I could see them shaking where I could recognize what's on the inside of them is a PlayStation they like to play games but with this person I'm not saying that it's gonna be peaches and cream I'm not saying that there may not be some car accidents I'm not saying that y'all won't even get pulled over I'm not even saying that you might not have a flat tire but I am saying at least you got change at least you have somebody that can help you go with the swifter pro progression to where you need to get because I'm with somebody who's carrying what I need. Now, look, look, if I didn't know I'm supposed to go to Atlanta, I wouldn't even know to be interested in them. Wouldn't even know it. But since I know I'm going to take a lot of tolls, now the very thing that you thought was unattractive in 2016, you attracted to now. You attracted to men with patience now, right? Back in the day, you wanted a thug. I want a soldier. That's what you wanted back in the day. Now, now I want a man who can pray. Does he know how to worship? Can he pray? Like, I need him to pray and something happens. Don't just pray. Goo goo gaga prayers. God is great. God is good. God, we just thank you, uh, man upstairs. You know, I pre we ain't talking about that. I'm talking about a man who can cover my house. A man who can cover my children. That wasn't attractive back when I needed a soldier. But now... It took for you to get shaken, for you to recognize I need to care about more what's on the inside versus the outside. This is so good. 
you don't know them until you're shaken. And then also I need to implement that you don't want to pick while on fumes. I can't breeze past that. You don't want to pick while on fumes because while you're on fumes, you're not yourself. You ever seen that commercial, eat a Snickers? You're not yourself when you're hungry. That's true for your spirit. When, when, your, spirit, <laughs> when your spirit is malnourished, you're not yourself. Y'all ever looked at somebody that you don't, you're like, how in the world was I even with them? They're not even that cute. They smile as crooked. Like they don't even know how to match. But you, you were crying over that? You picked on fumes. You picked on fumes. And I wonder the way we drive. Like when, you're, when your gas light comes on, do you, do you fill up or do you just go on your fumes? Because I think a lot of times that has bled over into our spiritual life. We go on fumes. Remember, Jesus said, listen, my prayer is to protect them from the evil one. The devil doesn't care about your profession. He just doesn't want you to have power. The devil doesn't care that you're active. He just doesn't want you to be effective. The devil doesn't care that you heard of Jesus. He's heard of Jesus too. He just doesn't want you to walk like Jesus and talk like Jesus and heal the sick like Jesus and cast out devils like Jesus. He just doesn't want you to apply what you know. He, he doesn't care that you desire marriage. He just doesn't want you to have a kingdom marriage. He, he doesn't care that you know that Jesus is the good shepherd. He just doesn't want you, he just wants you to be more goat-like and not sheep-like. He doesn't care if you're in the field. He just wants you to be a weed and not wheat. This is so good, y'all. And I wonder how many of us are choosing on fumes. Because the enemy knows I cannot stop the way that God views them. But if I can change the way that they view God. See, anybody who's ever played any sport or any competitive activity, you know that you study the film of your opponent. And a lot of us, you don't even understand what a spiritual attack is. I'm going to get on my soapbox for a second. If I was the devil... I would make division in church be the norm. We believe this. We don't believe that. We believe that they could do this. We don't believe in that. I'm Pentecostal. I'm apostolic. I'm Catholic. I'm a Calvinist. I'm Baptist. I'm non-denominational. I would make sure that there's massive division in church so that we could never complete each other, but we would constantly compete with each other. That's what I would do if I was the devil. If, if I was the devil, I would make the worst pastor the most popular. Woo! I, I, I would make the worst pastor the most popular. They don't give you Bible. You could attend 50 services. You may get two scriptures. They give you jokes, comedy. And is there anybody else that recognized during this pandemic I need to be fed on another level? Because a lot of us were, oh, Lord, a lot of us were attending houses that could not feed you in a crisis. It was cool to shout. It was cool to dance. But when you're in a pandemic, when you're losing your job, when death is all around you and there's a level of uncertainty and unknown, I need some word for real. I don't need to just, he going to make a way out of no way. I don't need to just, you know, God is good. God is great. I need to actually have some doctrine. Is there anybody that recognized, like, listen. I need some meat. That's what I would do if I was the devil. If I was the devil, I would make pastors and worshipers think it's more about what you produce on stage than your prayer closet. 
That, that's what I would do because I know the closet is where the oil is. The closet is where the power is. The closet is where you increase your anointing to be able to break things in the spirit. I don't want them to know that every time you worship and every time you preach, something should fall off in the spirit realm. So I would get all worshipers and I would get pastors so caught up with views, so caught up with subscriptions, so caught up with cool jackets, cool apparel. So they're so caught up in how they look instead of people's souls. That's what I would do if I was the devil. If I was the devil, right after you had that argument with your wife, I would have that person at your job that you low-key be feeling, that you follow on Instagram. Don't look at me like that. I would have her speak to you today. I would have her ask you, do you feel like having lunch today? Yeah, she would shoot her shot. I would have her be that bold to come up to you today because I hate covenant. I hate marriage. See, some of us, you think that you're going through it in your dating phase. There's a whole nother level of spiritual war and covenant. I'm trying to tell you, speaking right here from this pulpit, when you are married, there is another level of spiritual assault that happens because the devil can't stand covenant. I hate anything that displays what Christ and his church is supposed to look like. So I'm going to try to do everything I can to get this brother to entertain this woman because I made hotaffairs.com. I love adultery. I love side chicks. So I'm going to try to do something to him that will hurt his family. That's just what I would do. If I was a devil, I'm about to get in trouble. If I was a devil, I would sexually confuse society. I would sexually confuse society where dysfunctional, ho dysfunctional homes would be the norm. Homosexuality would be my pilot. And promiscuity would be my flight crew. And we would fly a generation down to deadly altitudes. That's what I would do if I was the devil. If I was the devil... I would have people think that God don't exist. So they'll spend their whole life looking for peace and joy, but will never find it because they don't believe in the one that gives true peace and joy. That's what I would do if I was the devil, which is why I believe Jesus prayed, I want to protect them from the evil one. You have an enemy. Is there a such thing as the one? I believe there are five types of people. There's one who's scared of marrying the wrong one. There's one that thinks they married the wrong one. One waiting on the one. The one who doesn't even believe there is a such thing as the one. And the one who believes that there is a one for everybody. So, so I'm going to try to touch this practically, give you some points, and we're done. First of all, I'm going to come to your logic state, okay? There are 7.8 billion people in the world. So from a mathematical standpoint, we already have an issue. Because for there to be a one for everyone, there would have to be 3.9 billion men and 3.9 billion women in the world. And we already have a problem because there are more women in the world than men. Now, some, some articles say that they're starting to take a lead where there's more men than women in the world. But here, in America, we have 157 million women to 151 million men. Can I get somebody to say something ain't adding up? Something not adding up. So just from a mathematical standpoint, it's impossible for there just to be a one. I'm trying to deal with your logic, just your logic. Okay, so now let's say there is a one. What happens if you marry the wrong one? 
if there is a one for you, what happens if you marry the wrong one? So you were supposed to marry Thomas, but you end up marrying Bob. And Bob was supposed to marry Ashley, but since you married them, Ashley ended up marrying James. And James wasn't even supposed to end up marrying Ashley. He was really supposed to marry LaToya. And so now because you picked the wrong one, you have just thrown off God's plan. You have just thrown off the romantic balance of the world. So now we have wrong people with wrong people, having the wrong babies, having the wrong degree, in the wrong city, working the wrong jobs. You at the wrong church. I'm probably in the wrong profession. I'm probably giving the wrong word. We have everybody giving wrong things because it was all tied to you just picking the right one. Can I get somebody to say that's too much pressure? That's too much pressure. So if it's not about the one, what is it? It's not about the one. It's about you knowing the one. Because if I know God, now God can reveal to me, okay, you're going to have to get to Atlanta. So now since I know the one, he reveals to me his will. It's not about the one. It's about the will. Now I know I have to get to Atlanta so now I could select things that are conducive to the will that God has revealed to me is his will for my life. Does that make sense? Now that I know the will, I could quickly identify if this is not the one. Now that I know the will, just because they have coins doesn't mean, oh, this is automatically somebody who is the one. But it does give me an indication that they're carrying a fruit that I need for what God has called me to do. Somebody said the will. It is about the will. Please hear me. When you recognize that you're called, you'll live like an answer. And when you have a calling, you have to answer it before you date. Please hear what I just said. When you have a calling, you have to answer before you date. Because callings will keep calling. I don't know who that's for. Callings will keep calling. And if I answer the call before I date, now whoever I marry, we could be an answer. This is so good, y'all. Now, because I answered the call... Together, we could be an answer. Now listen, because unpurposeful bonds drop calls. If I didn't need it, I would throw it. Unpurposeful bonds drop calls. When you're with somebody that is not conducive for your purpose, they start to make you step further and further away from your service provider. And the further you get away from your service provider, the less you hear I'm not getting the texts. I'm not really in the text. I'm not really getting the notifications to pray. I'm not really getting the updates to fast because I'm so distant from my service provider because I'm with somebody who keeps making me drop calls. But when you recognize your call and you answer it, now I can hang up on everybody who tries to take me away from getting to Atlanta. This is so good. 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 17. Nevertheless, each person should live as a believer in whatever situation the Lord has assigned to them, just as God has called them. Can I get somebody to put in the room, I am called. This is the rule I lay down in all of the churches. And I thank God that we don't serve a God of just one chance. You looking at a man, if we serve a God of one chance or even a second chance, I already blew it. But we serve a God of chance. 
after chance, after chance, after chance, after chance, after chance. Somebody right now should be getting ready to throw your tablet or your phone because you know that God has given you chance after chance after chance after chance after chance. There's some stuff that people did. You did the same thing and they're dead, but he gave you a chance after chance after chance after chance. The first time they did it, they took something that made them lose their mind. You did it six times, but you're still here. Chance after chance after chance. But don't misconstrue what I'm saying. Never confuse grace as a permission slip of getting by. Shall we continue on in sin so that grace may abound? Surely not. But he is a God that gives chance after chance after chance. So somebody may be saying, okay, what if I missed it? What what if I feel I missed my opportunity? I'm going to give you a Bible. I'm going to show you this. Hopefully and encourage you. Mark chapter 10, verse 46. Then they came to Jericho. They came to Jericho. Don't just breeze past that. They came to Jericho. And as Jesus and his disciples together with a large crowd were leaving the city. Can I get somebody to say leaving? Okay, so it starts off, they came to Jericho, period. As Jesus and his disciples together with a large crowd were leaving. So now they're leaving the city. A blind man, Bartimaeus, was sitting by the roadside begging. Now look at this, look at this. He didn't get his blessing when Jesus came in. He got his blessing on the back end. What if I told you one of the great things about your God is blessings boomerang? You might miss him the first time, but it's going to come back around. You might miss it the second time, but it's going to come back around. I'm just trying to give you wisdom so that the first time I see him coming to Jericho, I can stop and get him right there. Blessing on the back end. So point number one, is there one? No, there is a will. There is a will. I have to know that. There is a will that God has for my life. It's not about a one. It's about knowing the will. I got to get to Atlanta. I have a work to do there. That's the will of God for my life. And me knowing that helps me choose who to pick. There is a will. Number two, this is for somebody. It's heavy, but I have to go here. Somebody may feel like, okay, what if, what if I chose the wrong backpack? What, what if I chose the backpack that has a PlayStation in it? Point number two is, you can still get to Atlanta. You can still get to ATL. It's just going to take prayer. It's going to take time. It's going to take patience. Just because you didn't have this information and you didn't know to look for somebody who has something on the inside of them that's conducive for your journey doesn't mean that God can't do a miracle with this one. I believe God loves for things to die. He loves your Lazaruses. Go ahead and try to give CPR to it. Go ahead and write it off. People laugh, think it's over. He loves when things look good and dead because it allows him to be able to step in and get an opportunity to resurrect something that everybody thought was dead. So now when they see it walking, can't nobody get the credit but him. And if I go a little deeper, most pastors won't touch this because it's ugly terrain, but I'm going to go here. Sometimes the marriage in itself was sin. Here we go. Here we go. About to get real here. Ooh, this is going to get emails. Listen, listen. Sometimes the marriage in itself was sin. You knew in your spirit that this wasn't God's will. Some of us, you have gotten warned before you said, I do. Don't do this. Don't marry them. You did it anyway. So many times we selected somebody in rebellion. 
This is heavy, but I'm just telling you the truth. And so this is why I said, whatever God has put together, let no man separate. But whatever God didn't put together, he's not obligated to keep together. And there are people who will tell you, okay, because y'all divorced, you can never marry. If you marry anybody else, you are an adulterer. So you know what? Since you made one wrong mistake, you have to be unmarried for the rest of your life. And they'll use the Bible and they'll take that scripture out of context. The Bible says there's only one sin that is not forgivable. And it is blasphemy against the Holy Spirit. Adultery, you can ask for forgiveness and repent. I'm not talking about remorse. Repent, that means to turn away. God, I made a mistake. God, I am wrong. And when we repent from that sin, turn away from it, God forgives you. The only sin that the Bible says the Lord does not forgive is blasphemy against the Holy Spirit. So don't let somebody hold you under condemnation and have you thinking, because I divorced them, because they weren't God's will for my life, I can never marry again. That is a lie. And I'm going to prove it to you. You wouldn't be listening to me because both of my parents got divorced before they created me. Before my mom and my dad met each other, came together and had me, I'm a byproduct of their union. My mom and dad are together today, the anniversary today, over 30 plus years today. And right now you are looking at the fruit of obedience. You're looking at it. So if anybody, I don't believe it, that you shouldn't be listening to this message because God couldn't produce no good thing out of somebody who got divorced and remarried. And if that's the case, Jerry wouldn't be preaching to you right now. Last one, number three. Why is oneness so hard? Why is oneness so hard? Two wheels won't die. That's why it's so hard. Because in your marriage, it's three wills. God's will, your husband's will, and your will. If these two wills die, now we can have his will. My will has to die. My wife's will has to die so that God's will can live in our life. Jesus prayed it to us in John chapter 17. He said, listen, God, I want them to be one just as you and I are one and protect them from the evil one and the reason a lot of marriages are failing is because there are three wills in their covenant and if those two wills could die and his will could live then maybe we'll have kingdom holistic power couples so God we pray help us to not give in to the, the traps and the schemes of the enemy Help us, oh God, to be able to discover why it is that you cosmically created us so that I won't pick things that are filled with games, but I'll make decisions that are conducive for my journey. We know that you love us, God. We pray that you forgive us for all choices that we made in error. Forgive us of all of our sins and help us to understand that repentance is to turn away. We turn away, we renounce so that we can live lives that glorify you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.